Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos Podcast. Podcast. Strangle your demons and let's go. Y'all need Jesus! Out of the cool of the evening strolls the pretender. Maybe Jackson Brown was right. Maybe we're all just pretenders. Maybe our politicians are pretenders and we are just pretending that we're actually being led. Welcome to the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast. I am your host, Eric Helberg. We're iron sharpening iron over here, living a month in a day for show. And we have no special talents, just like Einstein said. We're just passionately curious, passionately curious about all things pertaining to men. How in the hell did we get here and where is it that we want to go? And since... We're talking about pretentious and or pretending politicians, the majority of which are men, although we do have quite a few women, but the majority are still men in every state house in America. And it may differ if we get down to some county and or municipal governments, but for the large majority, men. And I'm wondering... We had this thing known as separation of church and state, thereby there's supposedly some form of delineation between morality and governance. Okay, well that may be the case under law, but where in the hell do we get our virtue? Moreover, how do we get a good elected official and or politician? Should they not be a man or woman of virtue in order to go do the bidding of those that elected them into that office in the first place? Now, let's just go ahead and say it. The public eye, notoriety, power, and prestige as uh, you become one of those and or you have the ability to rise up as your popularity grows. Certainly one of the intoxication of the masses, more specifically for those individuals, because that means they are approved of and or adored by the masses. Yeah, very powerful drug for a man. Now, I would say those are the ones with malfeasance in their hearts and let that run where it may because everyone has their own standard bearer for that type of politician. And we've had many of them who have risen up to the highest echelons of power. But I would venture that there are would be good-hearted be the right descriptive How about this? They have an altruistic bent based upon their God-given abilities and or their profession. We know many of them are lawyers. And they think they can make a change and or do some good 
actually work on and demonstrate the will of the people, that being the people that put them in their respective position in the geographic locale that voted for them. And each geographic locale has its own um, particular complexion, its own particular culture, its own particular industry, its own particular things within that part of the country that makes it unique. So that would be its special concerns. I think we do have um, a group that goes in wide-eyed, wants to do well, and somehow they get circumvented and or they hit up against obstacles and in order to continue, maybe sometimes it becomes a point of diminishing returns whereby they're simply trying to still operate in that capacity, albeit with a hand or a leg tied behind them. Yeah. Now, I would also say the higher you go up, if you lack virtue, it's a real easy system in which to get lost in and be like everyone else. I think that's what has kind of touted along um, the lauding of a truly independent candidate. And I think that's where that gets a lot of fanfare. But the thing is, there's no independence with regards to who they are going to have to appease and or negotiate with in order to craft and or govern policy. So that in and of itself makes it prohibitively difficult. It's the system. Now, I would say that virtue will allow you to modulate that a bit, but Look what happened to Christ. No one in those positions is Christ, right? Look at what happened to all 12 of the disciples. They met agonizing deaths. So, when you stand for the voiceless and or you try to express your voice for where it could possibly create the most impact... Well, you may be deemed unsavory. You may be deemed confrontational. There are so many aspects to it. Very, very hard. But I think we still have good men and women that want to make a change. I happen to be married to one. Um, I think she definitely fit that. Didn't need the job. So certainly wasn't seeking it for a position of recognition and or power within her own world. She already had that and was content with where she was in life. Um, Didn't need the paycheck and or the benefits. She had already been blessed considerably as a result of a great degree of hard work over many, many, many years. So 
like I mentioned earlier, what she did have was an opportunity that was brought before her. She truly thought she could make a difference and that she could serve our respective locale better than it had been done before and fully take into consideration the people and their concerns and voices whereby she was put there. She took it to heart. And if she gives you her word, you're going to have to um, almost put her to her death in order for her not to complete that. And so in that respect, she is very different. Now, you have also heard me say on previous episodes that experience trumps everything. And I think being born of the people, walking through that dance of life with varied groups, having a varied, excuse me, background and work experience and demonstrable success in each of those aspects greatly enhances your ability to go into a position that you do not need and then use your giftings. Giftings such as understanding systems, understanding human nature, and then being able to look for opportunities to save time, money, i.e. efficiencies, right? You bring a simplicity to processes, find out what works and does not not what the typical bureaucracy that we're always banging our heads wondering why would they do that. But instead, working your way through these and getting them to work for you and then finding out the best way. Really being a critical thinker and bringing that to levels of government. But you have to have a guiding principle in which to have that desire, especially if we're talking about virtue. Now, if it's simply self-promotion and or self-gain, well, hey, that's a good enough motivator. We have plenty of narcissistic people in the world that can run with that and left to their own device, they can achieve great worldly success. We've discussed that many, many different times. But if you're virtuous, and that is the design by which you are trying to construct something new, well, in the case of those leaders and or then politicians, there really is no separation of church and state because their beliefs are molded by a belief in the Lord And they are going to govern accordingly. What I will tell you they will do different is for the sake of doing what is correct and in truth, they'll happily fall on their sword as opposed to hiding the sword in the woods, not showing what they are so that they can then be lifted up to another level and seemingly 
go forward. And when you have someone like that in your respective government, you have someone you can follow. And I think that is what we need. We can continue espousing separation of church and state. Okay, we know it's codified in the law, but why don't we find more people that believe that way and will act upon it? And maybe that will allow us to place our faith in something bigger than the person and know that they have a standard of living whereby they have shown fruit in that area, govern their life by it, and it's something more reliable simply than what is being said. There is a pattern of behavior. There's a pattern of performance and a pattern of behavior. I'll tell you another caveat that makes a potential leader more trustworthy. That in order to get into the office that the people put them in, that they actually undergo a great deal of sacrifice. Their reward is not that office. That in and of itself is actually nothing. They have to forego a great deal in order to be your public servant. Now, how could that be? Well, all I can speak upon is my own personal experience. I knew the time involved in events whereby I wanted to accompany my wife and the ones that I did. And I loved it because I could be by her side, be part of that team, be helpful. But we still have two children. So someone always needed to be with them. I guess you can forget about them. Or... You're old enough where they're grown. Okay. Maybe so. But you forego time. That's a great sacrifice if it is meaningful to you. I mean, shoot. That is essential because when you're into the community involvement aspect of it, that's where you go Everywhere within the constituency that you want to represent. And you find out what actually matters to these individuals, where their concerns lie, and how you know that those needs can be met sincerely because you're talking one-on-one. There is a great deal of openness because there is no faux, meaning false, barrier there. You went to them with the aspiration of finding out what it is that they want, and you are learning. And this is how it will actually be accomplished. But that takes time, effort, lots of it. And... Heck, I know in my case, my son and I, we visited so many people. Father-in-law was with me too. His Spanish obviously is much better than mine. You have bilingual voters too, right? 
Yep, heck, we even had to forego a lot of baseball practice to do those things. But it was worth every moment of it. And we learned so much more about the people in our community. And they learned so much more about us. And then, let's say you left a successful career. Well, you move on, you go to represent the people. Before that, other than communal activities and making your, your, I would say, your community better and your civic involvement, now you're rep- actually representing them on specifics of governance, but you forego your actual business that you are so adept at that falls on someone else. Hey, in my case, I'm not nearly as systemic and or efficient um, as my wife. So just on a down-home level, heck, we lost our CEO. We lost our chef. And I had to become the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker all in one. So because we believed so much in her and so did the community, we were willing to forego that stability so that a bigger group could experience that same stability. They could get the benefit of that. And we had prayed on it, and we knew it was right, and we knew what she would deliver and make the community in which we live and for our kids to come a much better place. And I think anyone around her who has experienced her has experienced That, that is something you can hang your hat on. So you look at that a year and a half into a campaign, a year into performing in her capacity, and that's a great deal of sacrifice. Monetarily, that's a big pay cut. And what she used to control for us now that she does for others, (laughs) that's a big pay cut. And I'm not nearly as good at it as she was. So that is the sacrifice. You know, I did an episode on will you sacrifice when it comes to your pocketbook? Well, I would think that those are some of the ideal things that you are looking for. And they're very hard to find in an aspiring leader and or politician. Well, when you do find it, and they do meet the criteria that you laid out for them, then that's the time to get behind them and give them all the support that you can muster because that person is not going to let you down. They will meet you right where you are at, and that is where synergy occurs. And then you can truly have a changeable movement. Just a quick study in politics from yours truly, Eric Helberg, the host of the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast. I bid you boin voyage, my burgeoning flock. Since we're in an era of such political rancor, I thought I would throw that out there. Also, I'm hitting the road tomorrow. Maybe I'll craft you guys some stories. Uh, I have to head down to El Valle on the Texas-Mexico border. See what I can procure for my clients from this young lady who has me chasing my tail and resides in Mexico. Very savvy 
adversary. And next week, when I come back, I'm going to tell you about the time I had to pursue someone that one of the biggest behemoth companies in the world could not touch. They resided in Carlsbad, New Mexico, but they were a joint DEA-FBI informant. And I'm going to tell you about the time, you can really call it that, a bit of a death squad came looking for him, but instead they found me. Take care, my man, and I look forward to getting back to you. Until next time, like and subscribe to the Comfortable in Chaos podcast.